Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that regularly, go over to the E2Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple and Spotify. And when you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. And speaking of Mondays, it is one right now. And it is 7 p.m. Eastern time. And that means we're live on YouTube. And you can tune in on YouTube and be a part of the show. Just come hang out, comment. We love uh, talking about y'all's comments, reading what you uh, say to us. And so come be our our third uh, co-host here. uh, Subscribe, hit the notification bell, hit the thumb button on on YouTube. The thumb button, is that what it is? Thumbs up, the like button, whatever it's called. I'm old, but do that on YouTube. Uh, otherwise, at Charlie underscore Burst, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach writes on the internet. I think that's everything. Well, we're finally back on track schedule-wise, live on Monday. And we are less than three weeks away from Tennessee football. It's right around the corner. Uh... But the only football I've really gotten to watch so far is preseason NFL football. And there's an interesting thing going on in the Titans fan base right now uh, because Will Levis is the quarterback during the preseason. Former Kentucky quarterback that Tennessee throttled his entire career. Um, And there's a bunch of Titans fans that are Tennessee fans. And we're all looking around at what Will Levis did on Saturday. He stunk. And we uh, we went, uh, I told you so. Um, I mean, don't say we didn't. We, he was bad in college. I don't know why he'd be good in the pros. And then there's a whole set of Titans fans that are now going, but you, you shouldn't root against him because he plays for the Titans and you have to be nice and you have to let. And I'm annoyed by it and I'm just going to stop talking about it. But uh, what's up, Zach? Did you, did you see Levis play? Yeah, I actually didn't see any of that game. I was watching other preseason games but i saw all the fallout with it and yeah that was kind of as expected right but i'll admit there's a part of me that was like okay i mean i i'm gonna say i talked trash about the guy last year but i highlighted everything that he did that was cringeworthy or silly or or just flat out bad on the football field so i didn't really do him any favors knowing my luck i figure after i do all that he'll come out and just you know be a pro bowl pro bowl quarterback you know, shut everybody up, shut me up. And maybe he still will, but so I was I was almost a little surprised that it was like it's like when you're expecting something to be bad and then it is bad like you kind of expected. It's almost surprising in a way because it's like, hey, we were right, but there's still a lot of time left. I, I don't know if it's completely fair to slam him, but based on what we saw in Kentucky, I can I can certainly understand why Titans fans aren't aren't feeling too great about the prospects of him saving the franchise after Ryan Tannehill leaves after this season. Yeah, the final drive of that game, he gets the ball in his hands, and it's they're, they're going to win. They're down by six, and a touchdown would win the game. And he threw, he, well, on, on one play, he missed a wide open receiver. I'm talking 10 yards of space between him and somebody else wide open receiver. Uh, missed that. And then 
threw a horrendous interception and his arm got hit. Everybody was saying his arm got hit. No. He's he's definitely still good. But he threw a horrendous interception and that ended the game. Um, it was very, very fitting as far as his his college career went. It, it pretty much went straight right along with everything that he's done previously. But we this isn't a Kentucky show, and it's not a Titans show either. A to Z is is sort of a Titans network in a way. Yeah, Will. Uh, speaking of yeah, A to Z, uh, he was on. Uh, Will Levis was on with our friend Buck Rising uh, last week, sometime during oh. training camp, and he w- he asked him how it's been in Nashville. If he's had any interactions with Tennessee fans and. Levis kind of awkwardly answered the question, tried to be a good sport about it, but you could tell it made him uneasy. He's like, no, everybody in person has been, has been great. Yeah, I don't know what it's like on social media. And I said, stop right there, guy. Like, you know exactly yeah. what it's like on social media. <laughs> you have a Twitter account. We're not yeah. fools. People talk. Your family tells you. We all know that you know. Well, just, just know this. I'm going to Nashville in a couple of weeks uh, for a concert. And if I see him, I'll let him know. I'll say something to him. Don't worry, folks. Uh, <laughs> but be how Charlie goes viral. <laughs> yes, it'll be male Karen comes up the new Titans quarterback <laughs> and makes fun of him. That's what it'll be. Uh, anywho, on tonight's show, we're actually going to talk about Tennessee football and not the Titans, the Tennessee Volunteers. And uh, it's been another week of plenty of all news with fall camp going on and we're going to talk about the first scrimmage of fall camp we're going to talk about the ap top 25 tennessee is in your ap top 25 and we're going to talk about their placement there what we think about that and then we got uh, some comments from greg mcelroy our old bama friend (coughs) bama friend who now works at espn he pointed out what he says is tennessee's biggest weakness for this season we're going to tell you whether we agree with them or not Uh, and then we're going to finish with a little recruiting talk but it's actually Tennessee is tangentially recruited or uh, tangentially part of what we want to talk about with recruiting. They were in the mix for Williams Winery, and he chose Missouri over not just Tennessee, but Georgia and Oklahoma. Uh, And kind of the college football world is looking around going, huh? Missouri. And we're going to talk about that to to end the show. That's going to be one that we sort of tack on there at the end. But now let's get into some talk about fall camp right after I tell you about our first great sponsor, Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than an amazing whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey. Log Still Distillery has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey for those who make their own luck. There's a four-year and an eight-year version of Rattle and Snap The four-year is right there in the corner of the YouTube video. Uh, If you're watching there, the four and the eight are both super tasty. You got to get your hands uh, on a bottle. They go great in cocktails. They're great, just neat in a glass. You can find them across the state of Tennessee and also in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run! Don't walk and get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories. Hopefully, we are about to have many in a row here uh, starting in, what, two 2.75 2.75 weeks. Uh, rattle and snap. Follow them on Instagram at rattle and snap whiskey. Now, let's get right to it. Uh, we, I guess we could start here before we get into the scrimmage and everything that's going on. With that, uh, Tennessee was ranked in the AP top 25. In the coaches poll, they were number 10. And, and I said that that was actually a little bit higher than I thought it would be. I have pegged them for 12th. Well, lo and behold, the AP Top 25 comes out 
and they're at number 12. They're pretty much exactly where I thought they would end up. I, I think it's about right. You, you just, nobody's exactly sure how the transition from Hooker to Milton is going to go. You have a lot of the same players, and then you have a lot of new players, but there's a lot of new players with potential on this team. And then obviously you have Josh Heupel being the X factor. But uh, what did you think about this uh, number 12 ranking to start soccer, Zach? Yeah, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter, ultimately. I mean, that's my first take on it because, you know, we talked about last week, Tennessee moved up very quickly in the polls last season when they started unranked. I mean, they were number one by the time the first playoff rankings came out. So that shows you that, especially being an SEC program, you can win some big games and really make a statement and move up those rankings pretty quickly, which, look, Tennessee wants to be in the top ten. They want to be in the top five. That's great for recruiting. It's great for exposure. That's that's who ESPN's talking about. That's who SEC Network's talking about is the top teams in the country. You want to be in that conversation like Tennessee was last season. I mean, we all remember how fun that was to kind of have Tennessee be the center of of the discussion on, you know, stuff like first take or, you know, Stephen A. Smith talking about why the ball should be in the playoff. I mean, that, that stuff was fun and does a lot for, for the exposure of the program on a national level. I think we forget that sometimes college football, as passionate as, as it is, as many fans as there are, it, it is still kind of its own little bubble. Uh, you get outside of some of these college towns and, and it's the NFL is still keen. So I think that's really important. But I also think, you know, being ranked number 12, I think it's a good thing for Tennessee. I think this team, I mean, they've pretty much said it themselves over the past year. They play better with a chip on their shoulder. You heard Hendon Hooker say at the combine that, that Tennessee gets a lot of disrespect. I really think that that's something that that Tennessee kind of thrives on. I think that comes from Josh Heupel always kind of having a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he came from South Dakota, wasn't a highly touted player coming out of high school, had to go to junior college, had to, you know, kind of didn't luck into to landing at Oklahoma, but just the kind of the way it worked out with Mike Leach. Uh, he didn't really have a whole lot of other options. I think he was going to Utah State before he ended up going to Oklahoma because of yep. Leach. So, I think that, you know, they, they've taken on the personality of their team. So I think that's a good thing, ultimately. I think they want to prove some people wrong. I think they, you know, you've heard all this national championship talk coming out of, of Tennessee's locker room because they, you know, they kind of are annoyed that that people aren't giving them that respect, that they're putting Alabama up there. They're putting LSU up there with Georgia and Ohio State. I mean, even Clemson is ranked above them, and that's a team that Tennessee took care of in the Orange Bowl with with, with with the quarterback that Clemson will have this season and Tennessee with the quarterback they'll have this season. And and Jalen Hyatt was gone. Cedric Tillman was gone. There was guys that didn't play in that game on the 2022 team for Tennessee, but you can't really use that as an excuse for why they beat Clemson at Orange Bowl. So I think they all take that as kind of like a shot at Tennessee and, and saying, hey, we want to prove them wrong. We want to prove everybody wrong. And, you know, it's kind of what Georgia did last season, even though they really had to work hard to – to make up that narrative in their facilities. But I do think that there is something to that. It's not something that's tangible. It's not something you can, you can really feel, but it's there. And I think it does help teams play at a higher level, especially in these sec games where, you know, one down one play can win the game. Yeah. I think it at best it's motivation at worst, just throw it out and forget that it exists because it really doesn't matter until week what for even then it really doesn't matter it because it, it only matters in so much as you know where teams may or may not you know should be ranked you know yeah. you get a few you get a few weeks in and teams have played a couple of real games and you finally go like okay I, I think we can say that 
you know, Tennessee is actually top 10 instead of number 12 or, or whatever it may be. Right. And last year is the, it was the LSU game when we were all like, okay, yes. they really are a top 10 team. Cause they beat exactly. Florida and they got up there and we we're like, yeah, Florida's not that good. And we know the history, but you know, maybe this team's different. Does this really mean anything? And yeah, it was that LSU game winning on the road. It's like, okay, yeah, they deserve this ranking. See, you know, you're right. They're they're after the first month of the season, month and a half, you can kind of start to to see what teams deserve it. And even then, there are teams that float all the way to the end of the season on an easy schedule before they really run into some trouble and they end up kind of, you know, fading away late. And really, you just need to be in like the top eight entering the last month of the season to have a legitimate shot to make the playoff, I feel like. Yeah, as long as you hang around and just make just make your presence on with wins. It's pretty much that easy, right? Just just win, baby. It's that simple. And then the top 25 ranking doesn't even matter. But on that point, Tennessee went out and scrimmaged this uh, top 25 team or top 15, top 12 team. Went out and scrimmaged for the first time during fall camp. On uh, what it was Saturday morning, I believe, and I think uh, they, I think they had their first scrimmage on last Thursday. They had a practice well, last Saturday. Thursday. I think the scrimmage, yeah, was Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do those super early practices. Like uh, they're one of the only teams that do that, by the way. Yes, I I always which see, works because a lot of NFL teams do that. I I would have loved that when I was when I was still full time. Butch was always a uh, you know get there three. 3 p.m. and especially this time of year you get like afternoon thunderstorms and stuff and it's super hot and you just blah, and you wait around forever because butch was an idiot and he would make us just he was late always and you had to sit around and sit on your hands uh and so yeah i would have appreciated the the 8 a.m practice oh, yeah, these, these beat writers oh, at, at tennessee right now it's really almost like eight to five for them i'm sure because the practice yeah. is in the morning the media stuff's done by you know, noon or a little after they're out of there. They don't really have media availabilities on the weekend, you know, until the season starts. So, you know, it kind of is like a Monday through Friday gig. There's stuff always popping off that you got to you gotta write about late at night. And on the weekends, that stuff's still there. But as far as actually having to be at the facility, it's a much better schedule for those guys. Without a doubt. Uh, but the, the thing with the scrimmages is that more or less nobody can see them. Uh, the media cannot attend the scrimmages for anybody that doesn't know, which uh, is understandable, I guess, because... Do you ever consider sneaking media? in for one? I wish I... As a student more than as media, because as media, if you did that, your career's over, effectively, yeah. if you want to talk about Tennessee at all. Um, but, just up yeah. In the upper deck with some binoculars hiding from <laughs> some seats. <laughs> Funny enough... Uh, there's some Tennessee media lore of some guys that actually did that. Uh, and went there's some, some high rise parking garages around the practice facility and some guys would go up and watch practices that right. way. Uh, you know, if, if you ever see me in a, in a more private setting, I am happy to uncork some of that stuff that I know about, but, <laughs> um, uh, but regardless the scrimmage happened and on, on Thursday, not on Saturday, apologies there, but, uh, and, Supposedly, the defense won, but big asterisk there. A whole bunch of players on the offense didn't play. Cade Mays had some type of procedure confirmed by Josh Heupel in a... Cooper. Uh, Cooper. Who did I... Did I say Cade? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Cooper Mays. Lordy, I'm just off today. Uh, so Saturday scrimmages, Cade Mays. 
Uh, Tate's having a rough uh, training camp too, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> I'm sure he scrimmaged too this week. But uh, but Cooper had some type of procedure confirmed by Josh Heupel, and uh, and is out for some period of weeks. They haven't released any real details of that. Nobody really knows. But they're they're downplaying it. I I can at least say that they're downplaying any amount of severity, and hopefully that's true. And it's not just going to be something that drags out. But uh, so I, I'm not necessarily surprised that the defense supposedly won this scrimmage. But did you have uh, any quick thoughts, despite the fact that none of us were able to to see this? Yeah, I mean, hopefully people don't freak out about hearing that the defense won the scrimmage for for one or, or get too high on the defense. I think the defense is going to take a big jump this season. But I don't think them winning the scrimmage is a sign of that happening. I think that's just how these things usually go. Uh, senior tight end Jader Bourne was on with Dave Hooker uh, this past weekend. He was asked about the same thing, you know, about the defense winning, and he pointed out that he felt like the defense won the first scrimmage last year, and we saw how good the offense was last season. So it's it's just kind of it's just kind of how it goes. I mean, like he said, like Jader Bourne said, the defense sees the plays they're running. They kind of know the script. They kind of know what they're going to be doing. It's a little bit of an advantage for them to be going up against this offense every single day. And while you know the offense probably isn't going out there just to try to beat the defense, right? They're not going out there to try to win a game. They're working on stuff, getting different looks, getting players in positions that they want to see how they react or building depth. I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons for this scrimmage other than who wins. And you know, a lot of that's individual stuff. I mean, the defense might force an incompletion on a play but maybe your left tackle held up and and won his assignment and executed what he was supposed to do. Or maybe the tight end blocked what he was supposed to do. There was a great route. I mean, there's there's good things that can even happen on bad, broken plays. So I think it's tough to kind of look at it with this just overarching theme of, okay, the defense won. Like I don't think that tells the whole story. So I don't I don't think there's any reason to take much from that statement. Yeah, there's always so many caveats on anything in spring ball and fall ball because there's so many things factors where guys are out precautionarily only this certain set of players played there's like you're saying they play against this offense constantly and so of course you're going to know it pretty well for as far as Tennessee's defense goes so I don't take a lot away also none of us saw it <laughs> I think they they do let former players in so I, I wonder was if Swain was there Maybe Jason Swain, my old boss. There's a few. I mean, there's uh, Swain, Eric Ainge, Ramon Foster. I mean, there's several former players in media that kind of get to get kind of loopholed in there to to be able to see stuff. But they also don't throw a whole lot of stuff out there. I mean, they're part of the the brotherhood, the fraternity there at Tennessee. They're not going to betray that in any way. Yeah, they get it, and yeah. as they should. And so, by and large, there's just not a ton to to take away from camp overall kind of like preseason top 25 ranking where you go yeah pra practice makes perfect at the end of the day the thing that really matters is what happens on that football field on september 2nd and uh so obviously excited to see that but there's there's only so much that we can glean from a scrimmage that that nobody really was witness to but this interesting question from ryan kennedy in the uh comments mm -hmm. here he says how deeply entrenched is milton QB one, if QB two is outperforming him uh, at practice, and I, I it's mean, a had, loaded yeah. question <laughs> that I think 
Tennessee is doing its is doing the right thing by not letting that really become a thing too much. But at the same time, there's a lot of praise for Nico out there, but the, the praise for Joe Milton's pretty equal. But it, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. We we really don't know and, until they hit the field. It's an, it's impossible to say. But it does have some feeling of like the Clemson situation in uh, when, when Trevor Lawrence was a true freshman and Kelly Bryant was the starter. They didn't make the change. The offense, they were winning games, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't always pretty. The offense wasn't playing at the same level did it, that it did when Deshaun Watson was there. Eventually, they made the change to the true freshman. You know, it, it, it's history from there. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen at all, but it is kind of a similar situation where maybe Kelly Bryant will have some of this, you know, Joe Milton could in his past has had some of the same issues that Kelly Bryant had with, you know, accuracy, field vision, things like that. It's not fair to Joe Milton to say that those issues will linger. You know, I'm not assuming either way. We're just going to kind of see how it goes. But with Nico, I mean, you you have this guy that the, the staff really trusts. I mean, they went out of their way to kind of say, like, if we have to call upon him, we trust him they're on the offense. They're not going to use this as an excuse, you know, as to why they're not winning games or something like that. Like, they believe in this kid. So, you know, I think Joe Milton's safe. I think he would really have to struggle. I mean, if they go lose to Florida and then struggle against South Carolina to move the ball, maybe you get into October and it's like, okay, what what are we doing here? We got to turn this around now and salvage the season. I would think that would be the the earliest that you would see anything like that happen, and really only if the offense is is drastically worse than it was last season. Yeah, I I think. There's a few things to this, and it is complicated. This staff really believes in Joe Milton. Joe Milton believes in himself. I think he has improved a lot, and I think all those dudes believe in the pieces around them also. Like Joe Milton, uh, you know, he he has a great connection with Squirrel White, and and it seems like with Dante Thornton and with Ramel Keaton and all that. And so there's there's no signs that he's going to go out there and blow it. Also, expectations for this season relative to Tennessee over the last 15 years, expectations are sky high. Josh Heupel knows that. Josh Heupel is, according to all reports, uh, incredibly competitive and in no way will put up with any kind of, frankly, losing. I mean, it just the demand just has never done it in his career, frankly. Um, and so I, I think if things turn south, I, I don't want to say it'll be a quick trigger, but I don't think it's going to be super long if it's pretty obvious, like a Kelly Bryant situation. I mean, with that one, you just went, you have the best young guy in America behind this kid. We at least got to give him a chance. And I'll and, say to Dabo's credit, he he gave Kelly Bryant every chance to, you know, to hold on to that job. And I think Josh Heupel will be the same with Joe Milton. I feel like he wants to reward him for staying here behind Hendon Hooker. I think yes. I think he believes in him. I'm not saying that that's the only reason why he he's going to be the starter. I don't I don't think that at all. But I do think he will get a little bit of rope if if he has a tough game against Virginia. Okay, let's clean it up against Austin P. Probably not going to be able to glean a whole much from a whole bunch from that game uh, because of the competition. Then you go into Florida and it's like, okay, now you know you got two games under your belt. You've never got more than two starts in a row at Tennessee. Let's see how you do now. Let's see how this progresses. I think it's just another reason that that Florida game in the swamp is so important this season. Uh, Timothy Rogers says, 
is it better to start Nico and take eight to 10 wins and get the experience if he's our guy? I mean, on for one thing, in no way are you guaranteed eight wins with, with yeah. Nico. He's a true freshman. The kid is yeah. young, young. Uh, and and so, there's going to be in the stage. I mean, he's going to see stuff yeah. from SEC defenses that he hasn't seen in practice because it's a different defense and a different defensive coordinator. And he definitely didn't, didn't see in high school, even, even against good high school competition. There's just stuff. I mean, you got some really bright defensive minds with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and even Mark Stoops at Kentucky has has put together some good defensive units at times, even though they've they've struggled against Tennessee. That's still different looks and athletes that you just don't see, you know, at, at 17 years old. So there there's going to be some growing pains for him, no matter how talented and how smart and how quickly he's picking up this offense. I mean, you have a guy who is a five-year guy at this point, a three-year guy in your program alone who sat behind a, a kid who was an incredible leader and, and a borderline Heisman finalist and then now has his chance and he knows this offense front to back and he has major confidence in himself. And then you, yeah, Nico's a superstar. Make make no bones about that. Uh, we, all, we all know and every single person that has watched the kid play never... The, the amount that this kid has been talked about as if he's a freshman is crazy because he hasn't been talked about that way almost at all. <laughs> like the entire conversation around him is sort of like, oh yeah, he's a dude. He's going to go out there. We And uh, as you said, I mean, the offensive staff says that they would trust him to go in in a game if he had to. And But you look at who's already there and to just hop Joe Milton a five-year guy who knows this offense front to back and who has already showed you went out without Jalen Hyatt and and without, you know, this season, you're going to have Dante Thornton. There was no Dante Thornton in, in that bowl game and some stuff like that. And he went out and he torched Clemson. You have a known entity versus a currently unknown entity and a kid who is, you know, would be fresh to the SEC. Like, just think about if you throw him into the, you know, the shark's den at, at Florida, that's just, that's a recipe for disaster. I, I don't. it before with a much different quarterback, not comparing the two, but I'll never forget, forget uh, Butch throwing Nathan Peterman out there in uh, the swamp don't for do his it. first start. And that was about as, I feel bad for the kid. I mean, it was, it was rough. I mean, I think he turned the ball over on like four straight possessions or something crazy. Uh, or, or a couple of straight snaps. Uh, yeah, you definitely don't want to do that early in a kid's career. Let him sit back. I think this team has a chance with Milton if the defense kind of progresses like we think it does. If if he progresses like we think he will and kind of hope that he shows, you've got the steel position players at the receivers. You've got the running backs. You've got a defensive line that people are, are, are starting to really like. you got two linebackers that can really captain that defense in, in Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely. The pieces are there for them to take a jump this year. Uh, it just all depends on Joe Milton and how he plays, obviously. But I don't I don't think you can just say, okay, we're going to waste this season, try to get eight to ten wins. Uh, you know, you never know when you might get an opportunity for a special season. They really like their talent. They're confident. You know, let them have a shot at this thing and, and see how Joe does. Exactly. You, you got to ride with Joe Milton until you have a reason not to. And and we'll we'll see. I, I think they they trust in him pretty pretty deeply in it and it won't be a mile long leash but they're they're gonna give him a chance uh because of all the time and the effort and and the ability that he showed at Tennessee uh but 
anything else uh, before we move on to this? Talking about Tennessee's biggest weakness, a little bit more of a bummer of a topic potentially here. But uh, anything else with with fall camp, Zach? Yeah, yeah, we we can go into that offensive line talk is where we're heading right now because that's yep. a big part of fall camp and the scrimmage and really at this point might be the biggest talking point heading into the season. It it really might be and it probably should be and we'll talk about it right after I, I tell you about our next great sponsor, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans have been serving Tennesseans for over seventy five years. Much has changed in Tennessee. Over the years, but some have stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships, especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision for better coverage, better rates, and better service. Go to fbhb.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Go get you a health plan. Support them because they support us. Now... Tennessee, obviously, they're they're not perfect. I don't think anybody is looking at this Tennessee team thinking, oh, this they have the talent of this Georgia team that could three-peat or anything like that. But across the board, there's there's a lot of belief, especially in some, some uh, positions that were not so hot last year. You were saying it right there at the end of the last segment. The defensive line is getting a pretty decent amount of hype, and and that's nice. I think a lot of people think that the, the set of wide receivers could be just as good as last year, just in a different way. The the running backs should, I mean, it's the same guys. It should be <laughs> not only the same, but it should be better because they're the same guys just a year older. And uh, then you come to the offensive line, and it's kind of a different story because you had Darnell Wright last year. And not only did he get taken as a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, he has now showed in in, in this uh, preseason that he seems to be up to playing at the NFL level. And, and I've said it this whole offseason since the season ended. He was the best offensive lineman in the SEC last year. And he didn't really get treated that way, but he was. And people just don't like to talk about it because it was Tennessee, and Tennessee kind of came out of nowhere, and they were just underrated the whole year. Um, he was the best offensive lineman in the SEC. And you have to Will, Anderson, Will Anderson will tell you that. Exactly. I mean, he, 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 was an, you that. he was an absolute dude. But then you move beyond that. He was not the only guy you lost. And then you're, you're reshuffling at left tackle, although it seems like they, they probably have that figured out. Mm-hmm. Reshuffling at right tackle, which was Darnell Wright's position. And so you're definitely taking a, a, a dip there, although I, I do like the set of dudes that are vying for that position. And then the interior of the offensive line is just dicey, especially when you mix in that Cooper Mays has been injured. And somebody that brought this up, somebody that all Tennessee fans love. Although, I honestly, as a commentator on ESPN, I really don't dislike this guy. No. Genuinely. The only thing that I dislike is that he went to the University of Alabama uh, and beat Tennessee during his time there. But Greg McElroy, uh, what did he have to say about Tennessee's offensive line? Yeah, I mean, he he pretty much just said it's, you know, it, it's a problem and it's, you know, maybe the biggest concern that Tennessee has entering the season. And, and McElroy, I'm I'm not I, I like McElroy. I think he does a good job. He's compelling. I don't agree with with every single take he has, of course. But you know, that's it's just the conversation, it's the discussion, and and I think he does a pretty good job. He he praised the left tackle situation you alluded to. John Campbell, Miami transfer, looks like he's really taking a stronghold on that. 
if Cooper Mays is healthy, you know, you're great at center and you got Javante Spragans at right guard, then everything else is kind of unsettled. Like right tackle, you know, is it, is it Jeremiah Crawford? Is he going to be the guy? Mincy, Dane Davis. I mean, you're kind of – it's not as settled as it is at left tackle. And then left guard, obviously, is the is the big issue at this point. I mean, they're just – you had Ollie Lane working there. Well, well, suddenly he's having to move over and play center in case Cooper Mays isn't ready for the Virginia game. Or beyond that, we don't know how long he'll be out. We don't we don't think it's something that's going to linger all season and and really be an issue. And he might play against Virginia and be just fine. But you know, until he's out there, you kind of have to assume the worst or, or prepare for the worst. And Tennessee certainly is. But the min, you know that automatically hurts your depth at right or at left guard because you're moving a guy over to center. Now you're repping what was your second and third string guys there to start that's not who you want starting, you know, at the first game of the season at left guard. And even then, it's not a lot of, you know, highly touted guys there uh, at that position that's that you really feel great about. And like maybe somebody steps up and separates themselves this season, but the fact that we're this close to the season and it's still kind of unsettled, you know, it it's the first time, and I don't I hesitate to even say this, but it's the first time that I've had a flashback to, you know, 10 years ago where it seemed like we were doing this with the offensive line all the time. Guy, and, and it's not the same situation necessarily because it's a, it's a little more structured than what it's been in the past, but it does feel like, okay, we don't really know what the starting offensive line is going to look like in the first week. And, and that can be unsettling, especially in this offense where everybody has to be just locked in together. We talked about it last season, how many times – you know, this offense was running tempo and Hooker didn't even look to the sidelines because he knew what to do. Everybody there knew what to do. Like the fourth down, there was a fourth down against Kentucky last year where they came up just short and Hooker pops up and they're immediately quarterback sneaking it. Everybody knew what to do. The offensive line had that chemistry. Are they going to have that this season? I'm, I'm not going to say they're not, but I think it's a, I think McElroy is right that it is a concern. I don't want to say it's going to sink their season either way because we just don't know. But I think it's something that we we, we got to be cognizant of that, hey, this could be a problem. And if the interior offensive line is a problem, if they're not getting protection, oh, boy, you know, that that could really create some problems for Tennessee's offense because we, you know, Georgia proved if you can get pressure with your front four, you can really make life hard on this offense. I mean, look, Josh Heupel's a great coach. His steam's great. He coaches the players great, but he's not, you know, he's not infallible. Like there are ways to beat this offense, uh, just like there's ways to beat Georgia's defense. And that offensive line not being up to par is is part of that recipe. Yeah, there there's a lot of ways that Pipel has made this offense borderline unstoppable. But yeah, if that offensive line doesn't hold up and specifically if the run game can't get going i mean that it's you're just starting from a terrible place it's the offensive line is always it's just the foundation of everything on on your offense now big 10 jeff and, and timothy rogers here in the comments they they bring up okay well the defense and the secondary i mean the secondary was so weak last season especially in certain spots like the south carolina game um and yeah, that's a fair point. But I also go to, when you look at the set of players at defensive back now, you brought in Gabe Judy Lolly, uh, who I, I think is a really nice uh, veteran pickup. And then you have guys coming back, Wesley Walker. And uh, who's, let's let's see. This Kamal Hadden. Uh, 
Kamal Haddon, if if he'll stop talking and actually play football, Jalen McCullough, Brandon Turnage, Tamarian McDonald. And then you have, you have young guys coming in too. Christian Conyer, Ricky Gibson, who are, who are highly rated dudes coming in. You have depth there. You have players, you have fresh talent that I think is going to be really good in the long run. We're on that offensive line. I mean, it falls off quick after that top line of players. So I, I agree, but I, man, I, I don't know. It, it just is, uh, I, I want to probably say the secondary, but I actually think like whole unit, I, it's dicier with this offensive line. If, if you get a guy like Cooper Mays going out, it just, it just is when you look at a pound for pound, I, maybe you agree with that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I got distracted by, by big 10 diff, uh, trolling us here a little bit in the comments about Ibn Osen, uh, was a guy that, that we thought that Tennessee was going to get last season in the secondary. He went to Ohio state instead. I, I've heard the same thing. I actually watched a media session with him the other day. He seems like a bright young kid that is going to do well up there. So would have been, certainly would have been nice that, to to have him in the secondary as it's gotta uh, be fun. I mean, it's gotta be fun knowing that you're just gonna play no real teams until your final week of the season. That's got to, I mean, you know, you just have 10 wins right in front of you. That's got to be nice as a player. I, who's I, the best non-Michigan, not to get too off track here, who's the best non-Michigan team that they'll play? I don't know who they play out of conference, but like Illinois? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, right. Like Penn, oh, Penn State, State. Penn State. Yeah, I that's mean, fair. State, Penn State's right? good. Penn State's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Wisconsin, you got Luke okay. Fickle there. It, you know, yeah. it's not bad for the B League. Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Shut up, Jeff. Notre Dame and Wisconsin. Get out of town. No. Well, I guess Notre, Notre Dame does have a kid from Wake Forest. Maybe Which I'm not that. a huge believer in. I've watched him play several times in person. I, I don't believe that that arm is going to do in uh, in that conference. That gets that schedule what it did in the ACC. I just, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but they were very up and down. Let, lest we forget, they lost to Marshall last year. Uh, yeah. Another name, but yeah, where were we at? Where were we on the offensive line still? <laughs> yeah. So with the offensive line, we we were talking about you know what the the biggest weakness, and and Timothy brought up the secondary in the in the comments there, and even it looks like Ryan did too. He he said, please tell me we have someone to replace Haddon at cornerback this year. I don't think I can handle watching another game with him getting torched and then running his mouth. Sounds uh, like he's going to be a starter again. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know he's. He didn't play entirely bad last season. There were there were games where he played pretty well. It's just when he played bad, it really stood out because he was he was emotional. He was talking trash to guys, especially in that South Carolina game. I I'm not gonna say he has NFL talent, but he has you know, he's an elite athlete that if he can kind of figure it all out, he can maybe, you know, make it at the next level. I know that's kind of surprising seeing the way he played at times last season, but you know, it's there. That's where it's on Willie Martinez to say, to show that he can develop, you know, this kid into an elite player. I don't mind the trash talk and the attitude and the swagger, but you you can't do that after you're giving up long completions or you're missing assignments or you're not looking for the ball or you're getting called for pass interference. Like you just you can't do it in those situations. I'm I'm fine with that from a DB because it, you can get into the head of a wide receiver. We've seen some of the great defensive backs in the NFL do it, but uh, yeah, that's quite a comment there from Ron. That 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 got me out of sorts there. 
<laughs> he is Ryan is majorly out on Kamal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is not. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Timothy says it there. He says, you got to back it up. And that's hundred percent true. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, according to teammates, they compliment Kamal Haddon. I, I, I don't know, man. Well, we'll see. But I mean, I, Martinez, Tim Banks, they know their job hangs on, on yes. these DBs doing their job, especially the cornerbacks. And I'm sure they're seeing great things from Haddon in a practice setting. And maybe it's just not translating, you know, hundred percent of the time on the field, but really, Haddon's play last year was kind of a microcosm of the entire team. It, it was up and down. You know, when it was good, it was good in certain games. When it was bad, it was atrocious, and they were getting blown. You know, just you know, blown out of the field, off the field. I mean, it was horrendous at times. So maybe the whole defense takes this step forward. It, we're certainly hearing good things about it. That the t- players are bought in. They really believe in what Tim Banks is selling and the vision for them and how he wants to use them and their, you know whatever the offense had last season, it seems like that's kind of, you know, migrated over to the defense. You still have to go out there and show it. But as far as what we're hearing, it it, it sounds good. It does sound good. So, you know, we'll see if it translates. We will see. But I, to go all the way back, again, I just think pound for pound that that offensive line is just dicier. The because of the nature of the football that Tennessee plays, I think there's a potential for the cornerbacks, if they have a bad day, to have a real bad day, maybe a worse day than the offensive line could maybe ever have. But outside of that, I mean, I, I just I do just think it's just it's a thin uh, a thin unit. And so- yeah, and uh, the offensive line's kind of out there on an island. I mean, there's nobody there to help <laughs> help cover up the mistakes that they make. I mean. If you're not creating running lanes, if you're not pass protecting, it's it's going to make life hard on everybody. With the secondary, there was times where they they still didn't play great last season, but maybe Tennessee got more pressure with their front four. Maybe Tim Banks was dialing up some good you know blitz packages that that caught the offense off guard. Your linebackers can help out there. I mean, you're not totally on an island there. The secondary as a whole, because of the way everything works together on the defense with the offensive line. I mean, if it's bad, it's it's going to show up. I mean, that was. That was the biggest thing in the Georgia game last season. You know, it wasn't that the offensive line played terrible. They just kind of got overpowered by Georgia, but they did have a lot of, you know, false start penalties, illegal formations, stuff like that, that that just can't happen. When you have nine or ten of those in a game with the crowd noise and, you know, Georgia's defensive line, you know, putting these NFL linemen out there, it can make life tough. So that was, uh, you know, we, we can we've seen what a, a game can look like when they're not playing their best. Exactly. Well, it's all just a matter of time. Just a little under three weeks. But I'll hear. I'll, I'll say this to Jeff. He said that I have two more weeks to own up on our our bet that I lost at the end of the season. This is what I'll do, Jeff. I'll I'll send you the link to get on this broadcast right now. If you'll get on <clears throat> right now, I'll I'll on Twitter. I'll, I'll drop in a DM and and I'll send it to you. If if you'll get on right now, reply in the comments, and I'll we'll do it right at the very end. We still have a segment to do first, but I'm I'm not gonna. I just can't feature you on the show, <laughs> but I'll I'll do that. Just agree in the comments right here, and I'll bring you on the show right now. You know, like technically, you don't have to show your face. I guess. Uh, oh, he wants to know what we'll talk about. Nobody said you get to dictate what we talk about, Jeff. <laughs> I I just agreed that you could come on for five minutes on the show. That that's well that's all I said, and then I lost the bet. So, um, all right, 
final segment of the show before potentially uh we we bring big tin jeff on hey here i'll i'll send it to you big tin jeff uh the last thing here is recruiting from the day williams nwaneri in nwaneri nwaneri however you say his last name just uh, a bona fide five star on on three they call him a five star plus he's from the state of missouri uh, just a, a real star recruit that Tennessee was in on, but so was Georgia. So was uh, Michigan, right? No, what am I? Oklahoma and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oklahoma. And and, Oregon was in there a little too. In Oregon. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. And he, he kind of visited all of those numerous times and made the rounds and it went this way. And then it went that way. We weren't sure what we were going to see out of him. And today he picked... Missouri, uh, which is real interesting because they stink. They went this. I this was the funniest part of all this. Impressive. I'll I'll give Drinkowitz that. I I said I don't know how he did it. A lot of people said it's just giant nil money. It's this nil rule that they changed in Missouri, where you can where recruits can collect money before they ever even show up for school, and that gives them a leg up there. Whatever it was, hey, congratulations to Drinkwitz. They they locked this kid down. But it took their 2024 class, at least on on three, which was the most generous that I could find. It took their ranking from 57th to 40th by getting this kid on on three, I believe, is the number one overall player in America. And he took them all the way to 40th in the recruiting rankings uh congratulations to missouri nonetheless but i just thought this was this was kind of comical and tennessee was in on this kid wish we could have got him but it is what it is what'd you think zach yeah i mean it, it seemed like tennessee had been fading for a while then they kind of got back into the mix late which might, might have been a ploy uh, uh on somebody's part i'm not gonna really uh, speculate on who but it's kind of odd that they kind of got thrown back in the mix but really weren't a factor it felt Honestly, I thought it was going to be Georgia or Oklahoma. I thought the Missouri stuff would fade. And then the NIL, you know, changes in Missouri came. I don't know a lot about that whole legalities of that whole situation. But what what it sounds like is that basically he can start earning NIL money as soon as he signs a financial aid agreement, which he can do sometime this fall, like in September, possibly. It's not it's not that he has to be enrolled and it's not that he has to sign. He just has to sign that financial aid agreement, which we've seen in the past in recruiting. I'm, I'm, I think the first time a lot of us heard about it was when Josh Malone signed uh, financial aid agreements with Tennessee and Clemson uh, b- before he ended up signing just to kind of make things easier on his process. So, I mean, that's a whole basically like year almost of money that he can earn. And if Missouri's paying him starting now, I I guess that's really hard to pass up if you're a high school student. But if that's the case, if that's the reason he picked Missouri and he is from Missouri, so maybe it's not, maybe he just wants to stay close to home and whatever the case may be. I know he had some connections to Oklahoma as well. I think his his coach played with, with Josh Heupel at Oklahoma or something like that. But if, if this, uh, NIL stuff is true. 
I wonder how much protection Missouri has in this because if he's not signing to actually enroll at this school and now with the transfer portal, you can leave whenever you want. What kind of recourse would a collective or Missouri have if he collects six months of NIL payments and then is like, hey, I'm going to Georgia. <laughs> I'm going to Oklahoma. Like, That's what do you do? Point. What do you do? <laughs> there are no, I mean, I don't know what the contracts are like or if there are contracts, if they're binding. I mean, it could be a very legal mess, a, a huge mess, you would think, right? Well, I, I said my my theory was this, that he, he very may well have a strategy of, I'll collect this money, go to Missouri, drink what's going to get fired. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. a year left, Tops, if if he doesn't somehow magically improve. Uh, and then he's just going to transfer to, yeah, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, you know, he, he's, he still has that career in him, and he can get this fat check from Missouri. Uh, that's super, super cynical, but, I mean, would that be a stupid strategy on his part? Probably not, honestly. And, and he, I mean, you know, yeah, look at what Kevin Steele did to Tennessee. <laughs> no, it's not a, a poor strategy at all, right? It's yeah, just no. not like, yeah, if, if coaches are doing it, then players can do it too. Like I have no ill will towards this guy. If that's what he's doing at all. I don't, I don't see any issue with it. I 100%. think, I think if you're Missouri though, you better be careful with what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. They still, mm-hmm. they haven't gotten anybody else back from the state. I mean, just look at what happened at Florida with that whole situation with Rashada. Like that's a cautionary tale to a lot of sec schools and these collectives on how to handle these situations. It, it absolutely is. All right. So. Well, 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 any, well, I'll finish with this, Zach. Big Ten Jeff actually is going to join. He's he's sitting here in the waiting room. I'll bring him in in just a second to settle up this bet. Finally, he'll shut up about it. Uh, but um, anything else, Zach, with with Tennessee, with recruiting uh, before we have to bring a Ohio State fan on to settle my bet here. Yeah, I, w- I wish I knew how. Tennessee handled these NIL deals. I would just love to know the behind the scenes on bidding wars. Obviously, we know that Tennessee's willing to use NIL to their advantage. Just look at Nico. That's been highly publicized. The $8 million deal, one of the first ones that, that went public like that. We know that it's, you know, Tennessee's just fine operating in this space, but how willing are they to get into these bidding wars for players like this? Does it scare them off? Do they think it won't fit their culture? And not just Tennessee. I think other top programs are probably in that same boat where they're willing to say no to a guy if they if they get a you know red flag on something like that. I would I would like to know more of the thought process on that and kind of how some of these head coaches view these situations. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's one of those things, kind of like when all of that was happening just under the table completely. You're just probably never going to find out exactly how they with the quote unquote bidding wars and how all because it still yeah. is legally dicey. For just, them, NCAA wise, but I get I get it for a portal player, right? You, you're getting a player transferring from like if Sauce Gardner would have been at Cincinnati like three years later, he would have never finished at Cincinnati. Somebody would have paid that dude a lot of money, maybe Ohio State, maybe somebody in the Big Ten in that area, or maybe you know an SEC school definitely would have went after that guy too. Uh, you know that that I'd feel comfortable with, but signing a high school recruit, I mean, we've seen plenty of four star and five star bust. That's uh, that's a big risk. risky yeah. yeah all right well let's <laughs> let's finish with this big 10 jeff is actually here i didn't tell you here we go 
All you don't right, have a so custom graphic for this, Charlie. I'm a little disappointed. That's true. I didn't come fully prepared, but so I, I bet Jeff that Jalen Hyatt would have more receiving yards against Georgia than Marvin Harrison. Uh, I should have just bet him that Jalen Hyatt would win the Bolitnikoff, and I would have been on the winning side of this. But regardless, <laughs> uh, Jeff, you're here. You have five minutes. What's up, man? No, Martin, it's a big, it's a big ten plus eight, Jeff. Now. That is true. Are you already, I mean, is there any talks of changing the name of the conference? And, and that's serious. Like, I haven't heard anything about that. But at some point, it's like, all right, we can't keep not, in, right? Not that I've heard, but I liked what uh, was it Cover 3 podcast said, that if we add two more teams and we go to 20, just call ourselves the Big 10-10. Oh, there you go, yeah. I at least re- I respect their shamelessness, though, where they're, they're just like, I don't know, we'll, we'll take you. This is it's fine, you, and now you'll get to play like USC and Oregon and Washington. It's actually, I mean, we said that on the show last week. Yeah, there'll be some great fun. games like yeah. Ohio State USC. That'll be fun to watch. Like, I'd, I'd rather watch that than Ohio State, you know, Indiana. Yeah, and the best part is they did the whole flex protect flex schedule, and like three months later they add two more teams. So who knows what's going on with that? Well, here's what here's what I'd like to ask you, and I just want to know the general tone of Ohio State fans in general because we see this talk all the time, and I've I'm always like, is, do people really think that? What what's the feeling on Ryan Day? How do y'all feel about this guy? Is is he on a hot seat by any means? I mean, what's the deal there? It depends who you ask. You have the fans that are sky is falling. Anything that like so like so like there is some. Uh, the Big Ten Network does a BTN bus tour. They go around and go to one, uh, one practice at every every school. And they went to Ohio State on Friday or Saturday for a Michigan fan screenshotted one of the one of the offensive linemen and his pants were sagging too much. And, of course, the Debbie Donner Ohio State fans like, oh, I don't like that. Our line's going to suck now. It's like, his pants are low. Who gives a crap? <laughs> College football does really have the wildest fans. Yeah. And the most perceptive, but but it, it's it, it's funny though. If if anything, I'm, I'm in I'm in a group text. You, you call clapping. I'm in a group text with Zach Smith, and we have, and we have like our own little uh, stuff. And and like some something bad, something like randomly bad. So like like today, we, uh, one of our linebackers got torn ACL, and someone's like, "Oh, that's there goes Ryan Day again, tearing someone's ACL." Just you know, having fun with it. Yeah. So nah, you yeah. wait, 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 wait. You personally know that the guy that worked for Urban Meyer and had the whole the thing that is so, a little so nice never, to talk about on YouTube. Ne- never, never met him, but when he started his whole thing, if you joined his Patreon at the very beginning, you got a little text group, and there's like ten of us, and so like so 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 like he'll exchange info with us before it ever goes public. So I'll I'll know some things before anything happens. That's <laughs> that's actually that's that really is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I like really. That is that is some serious, uh, yeah. I mean, you you found an interesting sort of source there. So did uh, you know about with, Carnell Tate? Did you have any uh, heads up on that? Yeah, a, a, a little bit. It was funny though because when that when that whole thing was going, and before he even before the whole Tennessee, like he was he really like Tennessee was going down. He was like, he likes Carnell Tate. This is all the first year. He said, you know, he thinks he's a, a little overhyped, and he says he just doesn't like kids from IMG just because they don't get developed. And of course, the kid got developed. He loves them. But 
so like so like today everyone's everyone thinks Kyle McCord's gonna be the starting quarterback. He said today from what he's hearing, it's probably gonna be Devin Brown and Devin Brown's really killing it. Yeah. But I, but I, but everyone says it's clickbait, so Well, there's well, a lot we'll of misinformation out there. Yeah, we'll see if your source holds up. Uh but all right, last last thing here, Jeff. And, mm-hmm. and congratulations, you won the bet. Fine. <laughs> your your guess for Ohio State's record, because I will they finally beat Michigan again? Do you think they'll get back on track? And it, and I'll, I'll also I'll finish with this: if they lose to Michigan again, how hot is the seat for Ryan Day? Okay, so. I would like to see the defense first, which obviously, but if I had to say right now, I'm going to say yes. I, I think I think it's a I think it's going to be a close game. I because everyone says you know Donovan Edwards ran all over the whole game. He didn't. He had like 50 yards, so about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Then the dams broke. So I think that gets fixed. Um, if he loses. If it's another 45-20, yes, it's a hot seat. If it's like a if it's like a Georgia 42-41, probably not, but who cares? Jim Harbaugh's going after the year because he doesn't want to be suspended next year for the whole year. Maybe. That's well, there you go. Prediction from Jeff. Uh, and I just know I'll be rooting hard against you this year. Hey, it's <laughs> hey, it's okay. See, the see the, the funny thing is you guys, you guys don't know. Like, part of my family is from Alabama, went to the University of Alabama, but they're big Tennessee ball fans. Oh, mm. nice. That's interesting. Right. That's really that weird. That is, yeah. That's yes. very, very strange. Uh, hmm. Well, so, and then there's maybe the reason why Big Ten Jeff is always tuned in to the show. You at least, you have a little bit of a connection. I, you you have said you also like to just support the data Z boys, which, which we appreciate. Yes. For. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mostly right. Austin, mostly Austin because Zach is never run anymore. <laughs> well, the hey, business baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there you go, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. I settled up on. Oh, that. hey, you're good. <laughs> there you go. But uh, thanks, buddy. And we'll See hopefully you. this. I don't lose a bet to you ever again. But thanks for coming on. <laughs> Hey, well, hopefully, hey, hopefully we get to bet against each other on who wins Ohio State versus Tennessee in the playoffs. There we go. Oh, there we go. Yes, if that happens, we definitely have to work something out. Yeah, a little optimism on the way out. But thanks, Jeff. See you, man. <laughs> You're welcome. See you. Close the show now. All right. Was he all, Was it raining there? It was also the, the audio. I think he was on his way to see the Titanic. <laughs> he, probably, he probably was. He was. Uh, oh, boy. Um, Charlie Burris. Zach Reagan. This has been another show. There, I settled the bet, and that—that that was actually we had more viewers during that segment than than uh, for most of the show. Actually, um, <laughs> Jeff, he's a ratings draw. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> uh, oh, and and uh, Austin said, "Did we talk about the the home tweet that I tweeted at at Vandy? Should I tell oh. the whole story there? Should, well, I I won't because I think there was a reason." I won't, yeah, I won't yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're gonna get two, yeah, 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 two in the but regardless, I, I tried to ratio Vandy's uh football account. I, I only it turns I out not enough people follow that account. That is seriously why, 
Yeah. Uh, because awesome. it took a while for it to start taking off. It took like you responding to it. And then finally, everybody that follows both of us could see. If anything, um, we were trying to help them out a little, grow their, grow their social media following. <laughs> yeah. Grow, grow their brand. They got, they got 366 likes. Mine got 183. Uh, but you can go find Twitter. That was pretty funny. The uh, Kentucky running back Ray Davis that transferred from Vanderbilt to Kentucky was like talking trash about Nashville and Vanderbilt the other week when they, they emptied uh, opened fall camp. He said everybody in Nashville is too much about like Luke Bryan and you know whatever Jason Aldean or something. And he's like in Lexington, it's all about football though. So no boy, who knew that we had some uh, Kentucky Vandy trash talk going on this offseason? Ah, uh, yeah. Both Lexington and Nashville, two bastions, legendary for their <laughs> college football. Yes, for sure. Uh, okay. So the next two weeks, that we're going to get serious into the actual previews. I mean, next week's show, that coming Saturday, there will be actual football. Now it's going to be Vandy versus Hawaii, if you consider that actual football. Uh, but still... It will be the start of the college football season, and we're going to give you know a, a real preview of things and start in more with the serious analysis of the season. And obviously, as has been tradition with the show, the final show before the, the game will be a full preview prediction, full preview for the season, our prediction for the season and our prediction for the Virginia game. Uh, so obviously, keep coming back and we'll do all of that. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for watching. Even Big Ten Jeff. We appreciate it all. We seriously, just everybody, Timothy, Jerry, uh, Austin Stanley, our boss, uh, everybody else to watch. Ryan tuned in. We we can't say thanks enough. We couldn't do the show without you. And uh, so that's it. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.